Hey, welcome to the Harry Man Show, episode 54. We have renowned indie drummer legend Tucker Rule. I'm pretty excited about this. Tucker's primarily been in the band called Thursday for about 22 years, I believe. He's in, in many other projects such as Yellow Card, My Chemical Romance, and we'll talk more about what he's currently doing right now. How you doing, Tucker? Good. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah. I think we have some mutual friends, and I'm like we were talking about the show, uh, I was just geeking out on your drummer plus drummer with uh, Brendan there from Secura. Oh, what an honor it was to do that, man. And, you know, what a nerve-wracking thing, because, you know, you obviously want to do good by, by someone who's that iconic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you got to give yourself credit, too. I, I And not to fanboy on you too fast here, but I remember watching a little music channel called Fuse, and I remember Thursday was in rotation probably about every 20 minutes on there, and I used to look at your setups with the big 26, and I'm like, that guy gets it. <laughs> oh man yeah dude I, I i don't know man once you play at 26 it's hard to go back you know what i mean yeah i have a vista like it that's hard to kind of break down you know <laughs> to put a 22 on my yeah head. yeah i feel like i'm cheating with the 22 sometimes exactly yeah because it's it, it, i find the 26 to be very easy to play but also you're right when i get on this 22 it's like wow this is like super easy to play yeah I mean, not, that, not that you know anything on the drums is easy but it's easier to play and then you get used to that, and then going back to 26 is uphill hike after that again. So it's like a, a circle of a vicious circle, I would say. I honestly still play my beater as high as I do on a 26 on the 22 because I'm too lazy to change it. Oh. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. <laughs> <laughs> your patches, you probably just have to change your patches here and there. But uh, well, without further ado on that one, um, I, I know you've been with uh, Thursday for about, is it 22 years now? Probably about 22 years, yeah. Okay. okay. And I know you, you've been, I, I, I don't want to uh, lose uh, credit for what you've been, but you've been bands such as The Wanted, um, My Chemical Romance, Yellow Card, and you're do, cr- currently doing, a, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Frank, uh, Frank Iro? Frank Iro, yeah, Iro. yeah. Okay, sorry. And that's a, is that an indie band or more of a, a, a rock band? It's like a rock band, but it, it kind of covers the scope of a bunch of different genres. Uh, Frank's, a, Frank's is a huge fan of music in general, so he kind of, you know, likes to write. Uh, a bunch of different stuff so it's it's a very fun band to be in nice so i kind of want to take it back to your uh, new jersey native there is that how you started yeah um i'm a new jersey native i just i lived in new york like uh, in the city and i lived in brooklyn for the past i don't know 15 or 20 years so i my wife and i bought a house in new jersey last year so i'm i'm a new old new jersey resident congratulations <laughs> thanks <laughs> And I, you know, I, I like it here. I like I like being uh, in the Garter State, and also like w- my band started in New Jersey. We started playing basements and VFW halls and, and such. And New Jersey had a really, really, really great scene of a lot of really great musicians. So I was very fortunate, and Thursday was very fortunate to be brought up with uh, so many great bands, such as like the Bouncing Souls, Save the Day. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah, I mean the list goes on and on. Jersey was was a, was a pretty big hub, you know. The tri-state area was it was a uh, pretty big hub hub for music back in the back in the day, like hardcore and punk, and quote unquote uh, the worst word in the world, emo. Um, <laughs> I don't think I ever very, use that though. You know, I really don't even know what that is. Still, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, isn't all music emotional in some ways? 
I, I mean, that's what that's what I always say. <laughs> if it wasn't, what you know, who who, who would listen to it? Yeah, you know, because people feel rock. so many things when they listen to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I just think it's funny. Bad rock. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so did you start? Like, did you have a school education uh, kind of routine, or did you kind of just jump full into a drum set, punk rocked out? Yeah, man. I I. So I, I grew up skateboarding, right? And and skateboarding turned me turned me on to a bunch of uh, music uh, at a very early age, like a bunch of punk rock music and a bunch of underground hip hop music and stuff. So I, I got a really good education on what I thought, you know, what what skateboarding taught me was cool. I actually thought it was cool, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I I used to go to a lot of punk shows and hardcore shows, and I would always just watch the drummer and geek out on the drummer because you could just feel that energy. And, and hardcore and punk music is so cool mm-hmm. because it's it's you don't feel like there's a band on a stage, you know, it's like a whole, the whole crowd and everybody's all together doing the same thing, you know? So yeah, it's a very good sense of community, but I I, group activity. Yeah. Yeah. So I would watch the drummer and I, I just, I, you know, when I was 18, I bought a drum kit off my buddy and, uh, I just played every day for hours and hours a day, Mm -hmm. pretty much since, you know? So So it's been, it's been an ongoing, uh, hobby and passion and job for, for the past 20 some odd years so oh, nice. i'm really grateful do you remember the first kit or what, what dimensions it was at all yeah i had so he 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 sold me for 500 dollars a tama rockstar bx i believe it was white oh, nice. and i believe the kick drum was a 16 by 22 then the rack was i believe a 10 by 12 mm-hmm. then i had a 16 by 16 floor tom nice and it was like a white wrap. Nice. And I remember those, actually. I remember seeing those through my catalogs. But in that, in that time frame, was there any, like, mentor, like, drum guys in the Jersey kind of area that was coming up as well that you everyone would kind of reach out to? Not, I mean, there were plenty of really good hardcore drummers. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, and, and that style is so specific. So, I, you know, there was a, there was a lot of drummers that I looked up to. Um, one of them being, I think they called him Mullet. Uh, but he played in this band called Vision, uh. and Vision was one of my favorite hardcore bands growing up. Um, and he was just great. And then I got into to, to uh, like post-hardcore band called Quicksand, mm-hmm. and they turned out to be my favorite band of all time. And the drummer Alan Cage, uh, who was a very good friend of mine, uh, it just blew me away listening to him play. And then Thursday was fortunate enough to tour with them uh, a few years back. Um, and getting to watch him and play with him on stage is just uh, a really, you know, full circle experience. Now I have a, a little bit of a rock question. I know that was around the time that the double pedals were kind of being, uh, you know, kind of being getting bigger, you know, commercialized. And I, I were you were you really picky about being a, a single bass drum player there too, as well as single single pedal player as well? I just I really had no interest in the double pedal. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like you know and. There, there is definitely an application for a double pedal that I think is tasteful and awesome, and I wish I played little to more double pedal because I don't, I don't play it at all. Well, I mean that in a good um, way because I want to give you props for being so clean with your doubles with your single foot. That's one well, thing. Well, thank that you. Stands, no, I appreciate that. It stands out every time I watch you. I appreciate it, but I, I do wish I got more into double pedal. But I feel like, uh, you know, like a China symbol, it can be very overused. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and the impact of, you know, I find lately, like when I listen to music, that the impact of a crushing double pedal kind of is like bores me in a, yeah. in a weird way. 
but there are people like like Thomas Hawk that are just fucking amazing and you know people that use it tastefully I, I'm a big fan of but I, I for me personally I don't find it fun and I I'm I'm still trying to get good at single pedal you know what I mean and I feel like if I practice more double pedal I would lose chops on my single pedal and it, you're very good at balancing your linear feels off your linear feels off your bigger floor tom so I think that really accommodates the way you play too Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I I do work a lot on trying to emulate some of that stuff uh, with a single pedal. Mm-hmm. So I just remember that being a snob thing when I was like in high school. That like if you couldn't play with one pedal, you shouldn't be doing it. So I just kind of like had a whole memory lapse there a little bit. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and we were listening to No Effects trying to do the slap sounds with one foot. And, you know, you just got to do it and you get better at it. Absolutely. And and that's another thing. Like I was always a fan of, of, of drummers who were single pedal drummers. So I, I you know, it was the double pedal thing was just, it just didn't fall into my mm. realm of things. I, I was into, you know, practicing. Yeah. And trends come and go just like, you know, a stack somewhere right now is kind of the big thing. You just, et cetera, et cetera. And it just comes and goes, you know? Yeah. And it's all cool. You know what I mean? It's all cool. And I feel like, you know, for any younger drummer out there, I think it's, it's valuable to learn double kick. It's valuable to learn everything in drums. It's oh, yeah. just something that I, I didn't do and I wish I did, but oh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm happy that I, I have at least what I have. You know yeah. what I mean? No way. Shit. I was putting it down cause I have a double pedal on my stuff. I'm like it now. I just, I just remember that being kind of a cool, uh, teenager. Yeah. There. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to talk about how Thursday joint uh, were formed at that time. Was that, was there a certain member that you started it with or did it just kind of all come together? Well, so my, my buddy Tom, who uh, we went to high school together, and we kind of started playing, just jamming together, like, you know, when we were both 18, like towards the end of high school, beginning of uh, college. He went to Rutgers. I stayed at a community college in Jersey, which was very close to one another anyway. Mm-hmm. But he met Jeff at Rutgers and brought Jeff to my house, and we jammed out uh, a song which turned out to be called This Side of Brightness, which huh. is on uh, the first Thursday record. Nice. Um, it was actually on a, a Thursday tape that we had made. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And, and then, like, Tom asked our bass player, Tim, and then Jeff asked our bass player, Tim, to be in, in the band. And he didn't know that it was the same band that he was being asked to be in. So he said yes to one guy and no to another, but it was the <laughs> same band. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So when you guys did you just were just playing a lot of basement gigs right out the bat, or was it more of just like kind of a local venue thing at first? It was it was very much we we formed a band to basically play Jeff's basement. Jeff is the singer. He he uh, he uh, ran a basement. He lived in a house in New Brunswick, which is a big college down here in Jersey, and uh, it was a hub for music at the time. He he lived in a house that had this great basement, and he would put on shows. And he had all kinds of touring acts coming through, such as Hot Water Music, oh, wow. At the Drive-In, played there, Save the Day. That's crazy. <laughs> and, and a whole bunch of hardcore bands. Yeah, it was like it was like this epic thing it was called 331 Somerset Street. Huh. And um, in, in, the, on the, in the tri-state area, basement shows were a big thing back then. It was a huge scene. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you could only fit 50 or 60 kids in there, huh. but it was still like this thing, you know, this thing that was like fire. You know what I mean? It was awesome. Yeah. It was so much fun. You just get a bunch of like-minded people in a room, and it's like, you know, it's just fun. Now, so we basically I'm started sorry. a band. To, we, we basically formed a band to play in Jeff's basement. Now, I imagine at that point you guys were getting kind of networking with bigger bands like that at the drive and stuff. So did that help you when you guys started to branch out and do any kind of touring there? 
I think it helped us out, you know, later on. I, I think, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, mind you, this is like pre-cell phone. Yeah. Too. So it was it was all word of mouth and all, you know, so like flyers. people <laughs> learned about music by flyers. Yeah. You know, so I definitely think that, you know, when bands would come through, you know, Jeff would be like, oh, yeah, you know, like I have a band called Thursday, you know, maybe maybe someday we could play together. I'm sure he planted the seed somehow. Yeah. And uh, just a curious, how did that name come about for you guys? Well, back in the day, there were a lot of bands that had these long, kind of drawn-out names. Oh, you know, it's by the Trail of the Dead and stuff like that. Yeah, which is a very cool name. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, it is. And all the, all, I don't know if you started a new band recently, but like just just thinking about starting a new band and naming it is impossible because all the cool names are taken. Yeah, stressful. You know, anything you come up, if you go through the dictionary and put together six different words, somebody's already got the name. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> we wanted we wanted something that was that was nondescript and and didn't really um, pigeonhole us into into one genre. So if you were hearing the name Thursday, you weren't thinking that it was an emo band or a punk rock band. It could be a hip hop group. It could be, you know, a, you know, just a regular rock and roll band. So that's kind of where 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 the the idea came from. Yes. And you know. And everybody, you know, Thursday happens every single week. So we want to be kind of on people's minds, too. Oh, nice. Nice and clean, right to the point, too. Yeah. All right. So uh, how long before you guys started kind of branching out and breaking out a little bit from that point on? Was it a couple of years or kind of right out of the bat? Well, it was definitely a couple of years because we wrote our first record and we played a few of the basement shows and a friend of ours named Gabe Saporta came to our first show and he was in a band called Midtown and Midtown was kind of doing bigger things at the time. And uh, so he got assigned to a, an independent label called Eyeball Records and then they printed our first record, which was great. And, you know, some people around the New Jersey area picked it up, you know, and it, it never really took off or anything but then we decided to write another record and uh that was called full collapse and we were still still just kids just writing songs so we had no idea that making a video for my my guitar player steve is is very into cinematography and he you know he works he does stuff for hgtv and stuff nowadays but you know he, he went to film school and such Mm-hmm. So he had a bunch of friends that were like, "Oh, let's make a video for this song. You know, it could be cool." And you know, MTV Two picked it up. Oh wow! And and then Fuse picked it up, and you know, so it, it started growing then. And that was about two thousand two, two thousand three, where where that song kind of started taking off. And and, 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 and that's Crash, correct? What's that? Is that the song Crash you're mentioning? Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying in a car crash. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing that, like so, I said, watching on Fuse and MTV Two, and go, "Wow, those guys are awesome." Yeah, thanks, man. It, it was it was wild because we didn't think anything of it. You know, we were just we were just having fun playing music. We never thought like that it could it, a people would more people would see it out of New Jersey, and b that we would ever be able to make a career out of it. You know? mm-hmm. And you guys probably got it right at the beginning when it wasn't so expensive to shoot a video like that. You know, what I mean, when technology was just starting to kind of get good enough to do it on your own. I think we did it uh, with with Steve's friends for like fifteen hundred bucks. Well, that's, I mean, it's still a lot, but cheap at the same time, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, and most of that was the cameras, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in today's standards, I mean, it probably costs about an iPhone to do it, but yeah, yeah, it's, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, seriously, yeah. Um. So then, as that, uh, how many how many records did you guys do total throughout your guys' career there? I think we did six, six full-length. Nice. Uh, 
and you guys did a, a reunion tour back in 2019. I'm pretty correct? sure. Yeah, I think the number. Yeah, we did a we did a 20 year anniversary because the band turned 20 in in, in 2019. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that which was a big deal, you know what I mean? So we did our first two records, uh, full collapse and World of Time. We did them front front to back. Oh, nice. So yeah, we would do full collapse the first night, and then and then so we played each city uh, two nights in each city, which was awesome. Oh, it's so much that fun. Comfort sound check and just ready to go the next day. Yeah, and the loaders and everybody that worked in the club loved us because they didn't have to work the first night. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> once the show was over, they could just go home. Yeah. So, was there any memorable tours that you kind of went on in that in that in that um, time frame, the twenty years? Oh man, yeah, we we did we did a lot of cool stuff, man. One of my favorite things that we ever did was this festival called Curiosa Festival, huh. and it was the Cure and Robert Smith handpicked each band that he wanted to come out uh, right. to tour. So it was like it was like us, Interpol, Mogwai, uh, Muse, uh, and uh, Melissa Aftermar, uh, The Rapture. Nice. Just a boatload of really, really cool, awesome bands, and like being able to watch The Cure every night, and like hang out with The Cure, and like hang out with Robert Smith. It was just so much fun. It was just, uh, it couldn't be a, a better group of people. That must have been surreal in itself, too. It, it was very surreal <laughs> because, like, he looks like Robert Smith in the morning and at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It just. You don't, you don't see Robert Smith looking not like Robert Smith. It's yeah. not. It's not a. It's not a gig. You know what I mean? It's that's him. Yeah, yeah. He's basically is that, and that's that. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you guys did that, was you know, was there any kind of hiatus there going on uh, in the last recent years? Did you guys plan to go back out when everything starts to open up again? Yeah, we we you know when we when we kind of quote unquote slowed down or stopped back in 2011, we never didn't want to pick it up again. You know what I mean? There was just a point in time where we were working so much on the road that we, you know, we couldn't work at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause some, some, some bands, you know, need to tour, but also people have normal jobs too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Music, music's hard. Music is not a gentle lover. <laughs> yeah. So, but so we, we always plan to come back to it. And then, you know, we, we came back in 2016 and did it, did a bunch of stuff and that was fun. And, you know, as long as we're having fun, we're going to keep playing. Nice, nice. And then, and at the same time, as long as people want to hear the band and, and, and see the band live and keep asking for it, we'll go. Yeah. So uh, I kind of want to change gears on there. There's something called the Indie Drum Collective. And I know Aaron from Minus the Bear and yourself started. How's that going with you guys? Oh, it's, dude, it's so much fun. Yeah. It, it's, it's so much fun. I never, you know, this is, this is Aaron's baby. You know, he kind of asked me to be involved very early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself and Chris Daly from Texas is the reason. And, uh, you know, I, I never wanted to play cover songs. You know what I mean? Like, that was just not my thing, you know? And I never, even when I grew up practicing, I never played along to any songs or played along to any records. Uh-huh. So this was, like, kind of a new thing for me. But I kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, trying to play, you know, these songs exactly the way the drummer that played on the record played them. You know what I mean? I found that to be fun and a very like awesome exercise in, you know, kind of songwriting for me from yeah. the drums. Like, why would this guy play this? Or, you know, guy, girl, whoever it was playing the drums at the time. Well, you nailed and, that uh, Def Leppard cover. I think you did expen- <laughs> excellently well on that one. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, that that was that was a lot of fun too because you you know there's a lot of electronics going on in there. So. Well, the spacing if it's not right in a song like that, it just kind of gets overplayed super fast. But you had it like perfectly dialed. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I spent a lot. I, you know, when I do these covers, like I said, I spend a lot of time trying to get all the fills, you know, all the kick drum hits in the place where the drummer has them, you know, and they're intended. You know, I'm not trying to like, you know, chop my way through these songs. No. And uh, that's that's why I have a lot of respect for your playing there. Thanks, man. Yeah, and then as far as like, are you? It looks like you're playing in like a home studio. Is there certain mic techniques you use, or anything you would recommend checking out software wise? Um, so I'm very new to the recording game. You know, I I, I bought this house a year ago. It's my wife and I's first house, and my whole the way she got me out of Brooklyn was like, hey, listen, you know, we, we'll buy you, we'll buy a house and it will have a detached garage and you can put a studio in there. Uh-huh. So we found that and I built a room within a room. And when I first put the drums in there, I got this very awesome piece of machinery called the uh, uh, Yamaha EAD-10. Oh, not to interrupt you, I actually ordered one today. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, it's, it's great, man. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's awesome. Uh-huh. And it basically click it, it, you know, for those of you who don't know what it is, it clicks onto your kick drum hoop and it's basically a, you know, a single mic that picks up everything. And it's got this, this module that goes with it that you click your in-ears in or headphones to. And it, it just, it gives you click track. It, it gives you all different sounds. So it's almost like having a V drum kit. Mm-hmm connected to your actual acoustic drum yeah, and you can badass. play along to songs and all kinds of stuff and it just sounds amazing so i i had that and i had so much fun with that and then i i kind of have been toying with the idea since we're in a pandemic like i kind of want to learn how to record drums mm-hmm. because i would you know i'm going to need to make money somehow so i would like to try to make a you know a remote studio yeah and play drums on people's records so i i bought myself a um Universal Audio Apollo um, X8T, which is this insane piece of gear that has eight mic frees. So I, it's just, you know, it's what it's it's the most expensive thing I have in that room right now <laughs> besides a, yeah, the drum. That's top shelf uh, interface there. That's, yeah, that's a good stuff. yeah. So it's it's awesome, and I got Pro Tools, and I, I I got a bunch of warm audio mics, which I really like. This company, Warm Audio, it's like they they do these really amazing remakes of all these old you know iconic microphones well i'm in the same so i got boat. a bunch i'm sorry go ahead no no go ahead go ahead i'm in the same boat with you learning all that stuff right now is there any like settings do you recommend on the ead 10 at all on the ead 10 i really like compression yeah yeah that's the one i was that's, looking to yeah compression and and i i like oil drum as well i thought that was an awesome sounding one for like a really nice tight sound nice yeah so I, I recently had uh, Timbo from Kino on. He's part of your uh, Indie Drum Collective. I recommend, he, do you ever get a chance to chat with him at all? Oh, dude, he's awesome. <laughs> he's hilarious. That dude is awesome. Yeah. And he's he's like, he's a character. He's a sick drummer. He gets great sounds. And uh, he's just fun to watch. Yeah, that's what that's why I brought him up because his his drum sounds are dialed in his basement there. Oh, dude, he's got, yeah. he's he, That dude is like on it. Yeah. So uh, while we're speaking about gear, you've been with uh, Q Drums for about how long now? Uh, probably pushing about, uh, I think maybe in 14, in 2014 or so, a bunch of years. I really love their drums. I love them as people. And uh, like, the thing is, that's one of those drum companies that don't get nearly as much credit as they deserve. You don't really appreciate it until you actually put, sit behind one and you're like, whoa. You know, this, yeah, it, they're this, awesome. Yeah. 
and, and they we, have sort of a, a cult following, you know what I mean? They're, 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 they're really well-made drums by amazing people, you know? And I get it. Like a lot of people like to play the, the, the DWs and the Gretsch and the Ludwigs and all of those are awesome drums. I mean, all drums are awesome. Yeah. It's just, I find that smaller kind of boutique companies, you know, are, 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 are where I like to, to, to live. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they're based out of LA, right? Yeah, they're based out of LA, and they just make amazing drums. They look cool, and they they stick to like what works. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is crazy. It's just it's just like they make really well made drums, and I really love the steel drums that they make. They make these copper drums that are so rad. I mean, they're just so good at what they do. Now, are you still playing the mahogany and poplar combination? I am. I am. That's that's what I primarily play in in my drum studio right now but i like i like i have a copper kit that i absolutely love mm-hmm. um is that the one with all the artwork on it, it looks really good yeah, yeah it's, it's got cool. like a like a patina like a like a damask patina on it i love that kit that's my like pride and joy yeah that's a beautiful um, kit thanks man and uh, i want to have a question with your setup yeah i noticed you play with the jazz kind of style tilt the snare was that something you just grew to like over time or was kind of pushed on you at the beginning I kind of, so I got tired of hitting my pant leg and bruising my thigh when yeah. I was younger. Uh-huh. And I saw a bunch of drummers that I like kind of playing flat. And then I, I kind of like started to somehow grow into the, the tilted. But now I've got it more towards flat, even like slightly angled back towards me. Yeah, I think it's a cool because look. I took a, thanks, man. I took a bunch of lessons. With, with, well, not a bunch. I took one lesson in my life ever, and that was a Dave Elitch. Oh, and yeah, he's a master, and he's a master. And he, <laughs> yeah. He's he's the absolute oracle, and he just, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're talking to him and when you're watching him play, it's like, man, why am I fighting with gravity here? Like yeah. this, this is this, you know, I don't have to work this hard. Yeah, and then um, you know, you're uh, you're a Zildjian artist the whole time too. How long have you been playing Zildjian? Man, I've been playing Zildjian for. God, maybe sixteen years, and uh, that company is just the best. Yeah, and you, you, you kind of inspired me back in my high school days to actually start using those really big crashes. So I would use my two extra ride symbols, or I think they were like a ZWT ride and a mirror ride. If you remember those, but I would use those and yeah. actually use those as crashes, you know, with my garage bands and stuff. Dude, I find that the bigger symbols, like when you're when you're getting into the rides, like it's uh, they they feel better and you know they feel softer to hit, especially if you get a nice thin one like a like a K light ride. Those are my favorites. Yeah, I'm playing the K series myself right now. Yeah, they're they're amazing because you, they're really washy and they're soft. You know, I just it really it feels especially. I mean, I'm 42 years old, you know, and I I've never really had knock on wood any wrist problems or any any you know carpal tunnel or anything like that. And I I, I want to keep it that way. And I just I find that smaller symbols can be really abrasive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to play when you when you kind of catch it on on the wrong angle, you know what I mean. And so I, I like the warbly, washy, soft feel of a of a large symbol. Now on these Q setups, are you still currently playing a 26 on those as well? I am 26 by 14. Yeah. But now that I have the studio set up, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of, I've got an old AOT kit that I have a 22 kick that I've, I'm, I'm planning to get and move in and out of there. Cause you want different sounds in the studio. Oh, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And sometimes I like, cause the kick, the 26 inch kick, mm-hmm. if you're not careful, it can kind of sound like a basketball. Yeah. You know, the, so the, I, the heads are expensive. <laughs> and the, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And then faster songs, 
when you're playing a 2026 20, on like like a more of a punk rock song, sometimes uh-huh. that you're doing like a do do like a double kick. Yeah. Sometimes you can miss that 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 double because it's it's such a big throw. You know what I mean? So. And I know you. I had Jeremy, uh, Jeremy on the show too from Low Boys. You're currently playing with Low Boy as well too, right? Yeah, yeah. Those those I love as well. They they complement you know my playing. I've 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 always wanted a wood beater, but I've never found one that actually you know felt good yeah. and that one just it's got the right weight and it's just every hit i feel is solid and they're nice people yeah jeremy's a great guy so i didn't yeah, know nice pe- nice people go a long way with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I get that vibe there <laughs> but uh yeah um yeah and um so i want to talk about some of the, the other uh, gigs you played too you i mean i you also played in yellow card and my chemical romance how did those gigs come about for you that was a part of your networking process or just kind of fell in your lap so the My Chemical Romance thing back in we we grew up with those dudes basically. Oh, nice. uh, my singer my singer produced their first record. Um, obviously, I play in a band with Frank now. Um, but so we've known them forever, and so there was a point in time. And Thursday I scored with them before. There was a certain time where their drummer at the time, Bob Bob Breyer, he had uh, like terrible tendonitis in his hand mm-hmm. um that he actually had to get surgery on so oh, last minute they they called me to fly out to australia to do uh, a month of touring with them which i think was only 10 shows but with travel it was like a lot of uh travel and a few days off here and there but uh 2008 i did a pacific rim tour so it was like uh australia malaysia um singapore hawaii um, and that was an amazing experience because, uh, you know, not only do I love the people in the band, but I think, you know, they were, they're just, they were the biggest band in the world. Yeah, they were. And I, I was, I was lucky enough to, to, to borrow that drum suit for, for, yeah. for was a this, month. Was it at the time when they were doing the Black Parade stuff? It was right after Black Parade. Oh, cool. So that's probably the prime so spot. So they weren't, they, they weren't doing the, the, you know, the Black Parade outfits. And they weren't doing the record front to back. It was just kind of like a a, a mix of all their songs. Nice. And uh, was that before or after Yellow Card? That was before Yellow Card. So then Yellow Card came in about two. So I did the Wanted, which was a boy band. After that, for four uh, yeah, years. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. And, and then you, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but did you tour with them internationally, or was it just in the states? We did. Yeah, we did all the. All over the world with those with those dudes. They had a couple of huge hits that you just they don't even they realize. Had, you don't even realize it's them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have massive hits, and it was it was so much fun to, to do that. It was also fun to just be you know not in a band. You know, we were the backing band. Yeah. You know, it was all about the singers, and you know, it was cool to just kind of show up and 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 work in music. You know, like show up, do your job, do it well, and then you're off. Now, a gig, a a gig like that, stuff. was there a lot of electronics and backing tracks you kind of had to work with or something like that? Yeah, there was, there was, the whole show was, was you know, mapped out. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of the, the backing tracks were, were sounds. It wasn't necessarily vocals because, believe it or not, those dudes actually can sing and did sing those, all those shows, you know. Nice. So, yeah. to, to the credit, you know, it's. People can actually sing. You don't really. No, when I say backing tracks, tracks, I mean like uh, you know experimental instruments and you know. Oh, absolutely. Weird sounds. No, not not like that. Not vocal loops or anything like that. Oh no, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, like it was a lot of click track, a lot of you know, you know, accompanying instruments. Nice. And uh, so then that they kind of broke up in 2014, I'd say, or 2015. Mm -hmm. And then we were all bummed, you know, of course. Uh, But then I was 
uh, I forget where I was, but my friend Arun called me, who plays in this band called Save the Day, and he was like, "Hey, uh, you so are you looking for a gig right now?" Or you know, I heard the one that broke up. I'm like, "Actually, I am." Nice. He's like, "Well, Yellow Card's looking. Are you? You want me to throw your name in the hat?" And I was like, "Sure." And I, you know, I, I did warp tour with the Yellow Card dudes. I, you know, I knew Ryan. Yeah. And you know, Sean Mackin for a while, and you know, so. Brian Key called me and he was like, Hey, would you be down to come out and try out? And I was like, Yeah, sure. I flew to LA and I, I tried out and I guess a bunch of people tried out and I happened to, to get the gig. Well that kind so, of fits your style pretty well too, you know. I think so, yeah. I mean they had a bunch of half stuff which I wasn't really used to playing, but you know, it's it, like anything, you gotta kinda of be a chameleon, you know, and, and it it was it was it's always fun to play other people's music yeah now for an upcoming drummer what would be your best advice for networking uh for networking i mean i just just be, just be a nice be, guy <laughs> just be cool be nice and yeah. like you know you never know who you're talking to you yeah. know what i mean like, you, know, you never know who's watching when it comes, yeah even if it's like a fan or somebody who you know who, who comes up and is talking to you you know it's like to be tosh the drummer you know what i mean like yeah a young a young kid you know and then he's he's you know tosh the drummer he's he just turned 21 and now he's playing you know he's doing a filling gig with machine gun kelly you know yeah pretty awesome. so you never know who you know it'll be nice to everybody because you know one of these kids is going to be a, you know the next something around it so yeah and i wanted to talk about what you're uh, are you currently still giving lessons too remote lessons i mean no but I, i'm not i'm not uh, against it it's just i i i apologize for bringing it up sorry no 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 it's it's a great question because i find that there are a lot of people out there that that are very good at giving lessons you know what i mean i feel like when you take a lesson with david elich mm-hmm. you're getting like an absolute you know crash course on on everything yeah body mechanics a whole gamut of stuff you know and so for me, it's like I, you know, my only advice if I was giving lessons is like, hey, this is how I go about playing drums. This is what I know about playing drums, and this is what I know about touring. Mm-hmm. You know, so if that's the kind of thing people are interested in, like I, I'm, I'm down to tell them. But when it comes to like perfect form and stuff like that, like I'm not your guy. <laughs> for what it's worth, I think you should be giving lessons. <laughs> as a compliment. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and I if, appreciate and, that. And if that's the case, what would be the best place to reach out and inquire about something like that? Uh, you can uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram or, you know, uh, there's there's a, an email in my Instagram uh, bio that you can click on and shoot me, a, shoot me an email if you'd like. All right, cool. And um, you also had a drum sample pack. What would be a good place to check that out as well? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't even know where that is. I think it's at uh, <laughs> drum, I'm just striking out here. Sorry, com. man. So. No, no, no. You're doing great. No, <laughs> the great, the best questions are the people that you know, are the 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 questions that I don't know the answers to. Um, <laughs> no, that's at drumsamples.com. Nice. Yeah, and I, I was listening to some of the sounds. They sound really good as well. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was my friend John uh, Nacliero. He runs a studio called Nada Studios. He hit me up out of the blue one day. He was like, "Hey, uh." trying to put put together some sample packs with some drummers would you be down to take a bunch of your gear to the studio and i was like sure yeah so, so uh, before, I, was, before i let you go there tucker what's what's in the store uh, what's in what's in the plans after this whole thing all clears out in the future here well i mean i don't know you know obviously i would like to get back on the road um 
you know, I just, I, I've been enjoying time at home with my daughter, but it's giving me time to, like we talked about before, learn how to record. So I, I think in the future for me, I would like to spend a little more time home uh, doing some remote recording and playing on people's records and playing on people's songs because that's, I'm finding that to be very rewarding and very much fun. I, I just did um, a record with Jim Ward, um, nice. which, which I'm really proud of because it was completely remote. Um, and we never got in a room together once because he lives in El Paso and then Ben Kenny, who plays in Incubus, oh, no way. he lives in LA. Favorite. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's, he's the best dude and he's a awesome phenomenal musician. <laughs> yeah. A great drummer, dude. That, and then he's one of those dudes who's like handsome, he's nice, <laughs> he's super talented and he can play everything. It's yeah, like not that fair. That song, Yoji, dude, I still listen to that song all the time. Yeah, dude, he's, I mean, great. He's fucking great. Yeah, he's awesome. So we, <laughs> we did, we did a, we, Jim sent out a, a bunch of songs and we, we kind of put it together and made a record. So that, that comes out, I believe, in June. So I, I kind of want to do more stuff like that. Like I really found joy and, uh, you know, in, in, you know, putting drums to, to, to music. And to as people you should. Send me songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's so much fun. And it's... I, and I like hearing, you know, because I, as you know, as a person who's, learning how to record mm -hmm. you know you spend a lot of time with your 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 nose in youtube and stuff like that you know like looking up stuff reading things so it's, it's rewarding when it when you when it, it comes to fruition well that's a lot cool because you got friends you call up and then, then they start to kind of grill you down you're like oh my god i'm not even close <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah Panning. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah what is that <laughs> frying panning yeah well, that's a joke to myself but yeah there's a couple of uh, rude awakenings because i used to just go to the studio and the guy took care of it you know that was that yeah yeah absolutely yeah but when you're when you're in your when you're in your drum dojo i guess you could call it your you know you're you're left to your own druthers you know what i mean yeah it's not your job but now it's, i think everyone should be well equipped on all sides of it just like you were saying I think so, man. I think it's important, you know. I think it, it it also helps in 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 songwriting from the drum standpoint when you when you're challenged to to take a, a songwriter song and and send it back and kind of surprise them with you, you know, because they didn't know it had this potential. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Tucker, it's been a real honor. Like I said, I've been watching you since I was a very young age. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and hopefully, when everything gets back in order, we can have you on for another episode here as well. I would love to. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. I, I really appreciate it. And once again, if you're interested in taking lessons with uh, Tucker, uh, check out his Instagram email and his drum sample pack that I highly recommend ch checking out and the Thursday catalog. So thanks a lot, Tucker. Thank you for having me, my friend. All right. Good night.